Ready. Hey. Just in the middle of the field, 45, 50. Greengrass in front of him, leaving Lions in his way. I am Jeff Joniak. Blitz is on. Down he goes. Brisker. What was it like playing for Coach Dicka? Uh, I don't want to answer any questions like that. 61 yards. Ooh. A Sunday stroll for Justin Fields. Now, Bears, etc. with the voices of the Chicago Bears, Jeff Joniak and Tom Tate. All right, on to another matchup at Soldier Field with the Las Vegas Raiders coming up on Sunday, a noon kickoff at Soldier Field. Welcome in to another version of the Bears Etc. podcast, episode 26 with Tom Thayer, the Super Bowl winning Bears guard. I'm Jeff Joniak from Hallis Hall as we get you set for the breakdown of the Bears and Vegas Raiders. Uh, coming up, our guest is former NFL executive Amy Trask, the former CEO of the Raiders, now of CBS Sports, and has had a great career post-football author, on television as an analyst uh, and all sorts of things. One of the most powerful women in the NFL while she was in there with Al Davis and the crew. And, Tom, uh, it's a rare visit from the Raiders. I think this is only the eighth time at Soldier Field. So that series started back in 1972. But uh, the history of that organization is such that it's always a, a fun arrival when you get one of those teams that just carry with it a great tradition of winning under uh, the Hall of Famer Al Davis, the late Al Davis, and now uh, known as the Vegas Raiders. That I still haven't gotten used to, uh, but they pose a big threat to the Bears on Sunday because of that defense and one particular pass rusher in Max Crosby. Well, just going back in my memory bank of this rivalry, so we played the Raiders in the preseason in Lyle Alzado's last game. And Lyle Alzado got a tip ball interception in the game. And Lyle Alzado back <laughs> in the day from Yankton College was kind of one of my unsung heroes. Why? Because when you think about the journey that Tyson Bajan is about to begin from Shepard, how many other players have you heard from Yankton College? And well, so none. It's, it's not about the college, it's about the person. And I just always admired the Raiders from afar as a kid growing up because of Al Davis, because of their success, because of their bad boy image. You know, having a chance to play against Lyle Alzado at the end of his career was a big thrill for me. And uh, now to update it, yeah, this is a different Raiders. This is a Las Vegas Raiders. They're no longer a part of the – they are a part of the Al Davis footprint, but now it's run by his son. Obviously, they're in Las Vegas. All right, as of this taping, we don't know who the quarterback is going to be for the Raiders. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, probably unlikely. Brian Hoyer, probably going to be the starter, but he had an injury earlier when he got a chance to play, but finished up that game against New England. And Aiden O'Connell, I'm kind of rooting. If it's not going to be Jimmy G, I'd love to see Aiden O'Connell just because of the local factor, right? Stevenson High School, he was ninth string and managed to make it on the team and then walk on at Purdue, and he becomes a fourth-round pick, and he started week four against the L.A. Chargers in his rookie season. And he improved significantly throughout his college career. But if we go back and you would say that um, he, you know, the two quarterbacks could, that could possibly start this game – it's not what you thought about when you looked at the schedule and you started thinking about what the record of the Bears could be. Look at the different types of matchups. Who will be playing at that time? And, yeah, you know, I'm not really excited to see Brian Hoyer play. Um, I've been there, done that. So I would like to see a couple young kids come out and play on a, a Chicago Sunday afternoon and um, go out there and battle and give it their best because you imagine – the hunger that's just dripping in their mouth to prove everybody wrong, but to prove themselves right. So I think there's a lot of exciting factors to look at when you look at the what the quarterback battle could be. Yeah, well, let's look at Tyson Bajan because I know the media on uh, Wednesday up here at Hallis Town were really trying to underscore the fact, hey, you know, did you ever dream of this moment? Did you ever think you were ever going to get here? Listen, he did. He, he knew he was going to get here, and his plan was, like yours, uh, I'm going to be a football player, and uh, I don't care where I came from. And, yeah, it is unorthodox, but all roads lead to the NFL. We've seen so many guys from different kind of colleges. Uh, quarterback position, not, not as often, clearly. Jimmy Garoppolo is from Eastern Illinois. Tony Romo is from Eastern Illinois. Th those are bigger, obviously, than Division II Shepard. But if you've got the talent and you've got the mind and the ability to process – 
get rid of the football like he does, you're going to have a chance. And he worked himself into this chance. But I'm intrigued because we can make it seem like Tommy, his dad is a professional arm wrestler and world famous and one of the best ever. And he gives a lot of credit to his dad. I'm sure his dad instilled a ton of confidence. You are a product of your environment, good ways and bad. And that man, (laughs) I've seen some of the videos that that's a man with confidence, but this guy walks with a mature confidence. This is not bravado. He's not walking around like he owns the place. I think I think that did have a lot. You know, if, if, if people believe in you, you start to believe in yourself. You got to believe in yourself. I had no backup plan. I was all in on the NFL and professional football, and that's the only route I was taking after college. He did talk about his backup plan about going back and being a, a teacher at his high school. And, you know, it would, he would probably have been a, a huge asset to his high school, bringing his, in his life experiences and being able to pass it along to some of the kids that he would have had a hand in touching their life. But I really think down deep, he, his plan was full steam ahead. I'm going to be an NFL player. I don't care where I came from, but I know where I'm going. Yeah, let's listen in to some of uh, his uh, thoughts about becoming the starting quarterback by way of injury to Justin Fields this week. As Tom and I have been discussing, so here, here's one of, the, uh, one of the sound bites about always believing. Boom. Yeah, oddly, I always thought it was going to happen. I think that, um, you know, me and my dad really were the only ones that really thought that this was going to happen. Um, and then, you know, after that, it was just figuring out how I could outwork everybody that, you know, maybe had, maybe had more things that maybe had more things than I did, had better facilities and, you know, all that stuff. So it was just really just trying to, you know, get it out the mud, putting a lot of work in the, in the, in the shadow. And um, just so I'd be ready for, you know, this week. You have a backup plan if you didn't get the shot in the NFL. Yeah, I was going to um, just basically just CrossFit my life away, get as, ripped and jacked as I possibly could <laughs> and uh, be a teacher at Martinsburg High School. A dream being realized for Tyson Bajan. It means everything. I think after the last game of my college career, I was talking to a good buddy of mine and just kind of, you know, we were kind of talking about like, hey, you know, no matter how good or bad this goes at the next level, you know, there is a there is a very big chance that, you know, maybe you make the team, but you, you might never get to start a game ever again in your whole life. You might never get, you know, that, that, that QB one role ever again. And that's just kind of, you know, how the, how the apple falls from the tree sometimes, but uh, to, to look where I'm at and to look how everything is kind of falling into place, uh, just nothing but, you know, extreme uh, gratitude and just feeling super blessed to, you know, be able to be that, that uh, kind of motivational role in the, the younger people in my, in my, in my family, kind of be that person they can look up to and just really just motivation for everybody that, you know, maybe at a smaller level and all the people back home. And Tom, he had a decision to make because I'm sure people were in his ear and I haven't talked to him about this directly, but he looked into other colleges before his last year. Notre Dame was one of them. He, he wanted to go to Notre Dame, but they didn't offer him anything. And so, you know what? He just said, forget about it. I'm staying here. And they asked him if he would be worried uh, at that time about making the wrong decision because, you know, were you going to get drafted? Were you going to get signed anywhere? If you're playing at Shepherd College, the competition's different. But he stuck to his guns, believed he was being coached as well as anywhere he'd be getting coached, and he knew the system very well, and he was very successful, and it worked out. This one worked out. Well, you know, uh, football development, especially at the quarterback position, is live reps. And how many of the how many of the coaching points that they can give you over a four year period, um, you know, understanding the timing of the game, understanding your accuracy, how to develop your body along the way, and then you're going to bring that to the next level wherever you are. I think he made the right choice in staying at Shepherd rather than going to a program that maybe they went and recruited a freshman that they believe that they should start getting him involved in the program immediately and leave this transfer kid behind. So uh, I think he made the right decision. I think he's proved the coaches here in Chicago that he has. And now, I mean, shoots the opportunity of a lifetime to start the game against the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, the only difference, I guess, is he could have played himself into a draft selection and get a a contract of some sort other than an undrafted free agent. But, hey, that's just – that's that, that's history now. He's earning his opportunity. He's earned his opportunity by being a uh, a well mean well meaning 
drive to get here, number one, prove in practices what he's learned. He's taken it from the classroom to the playing field. They're not just going to make him the number two just because. They, they had to believe in him. And, and believe me, there were, there were a lot of high grades on Tyson Bajan in this building. For all your journeys ahead, go with a partner who's been on your team from the beginning. The one members and communities have trusted for over 85 years. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois always standing by you, with you, for you, through it all. It's one, gonna, thing about, one thing about Tyson, though, is equally as a gutsy call for him to be a free agent and come to Chicago, giving where Justin Fields is in his career, as it was gutsy for him to stay at Shepard. So there's been a couple decisions in the last couple of years in his football life that have been the right decisions for him. And listen, when Justin comes back and he's healthy, he is going to be the starting quarterback. However, to take the chance and come here as a free agent – you never know how things are going to work out. Here's a question he was asked and why he's not overwhelmed. Details, lot, you know, a lot of details. Obviously, the team I'm going against uh, Sunday is a little bit better than Westchester. <laughs> but, yeah, other than that, the, the other team's a little bit smarter than, than, than they were a year ago, and there's quite a bit more details than there were a year ago. So other than that, you still just, you know, play hard and operate in sync with the, with the guys you got. Um, you know, I think my life has been planned out for me ahead of time. I think that everything that happened, that has happened and will happen was already set in stone to happen. Um, and I think that, you know, coming where I, from where I come from, um, you know, I've pretty much beat every odd that there was for me. So, you know, I got nothing to lose. I'm just, you know, I'm going to go out there and, you know, fight with these guys to the death and, you know, try to stack up as many wins as I can until till we get Justin back. And it's a great answer, Tom. And uh, to, to piggyback on what you said about, you know, uh, what his plan was with high school teacher, that's after he was going to, quote, crossfit his life away uh, and just get all yoked up and muscled up. <laughs> I'm sure he was doing push-ups at two with that, that, that dad of his, right? Well, you know, I, I think that he's been around the weight room. He understands the importance of physical fitness and, you know, he, he if he would have put uh, the, the same effort into being a CrossFit ripped guy at a young age, you know, that he did in football, he would have probably been equally as successful. But I'm glad it worked out for him and he's he's earned the opportunity that he's going to get. We're brought to you by PNC, official bank of the Bears. Let's transition to our interview with sports executive, author, and lawyer, Amy Trask, the former CEO of the Oakland, the then Oakland Raiders now they're known as the Vegas Raiders. It's a long, long list of accomplishments and participation in a variety of projects. One right now with Susie Schuster on What the Football Podcast. Find it anywhere you get your podcasts. It's on the Rich Eisen Show YouTube channel. Also on the crew of the that other pregame show, NFL on CBS.net. Uh, or you can find ex-Bears, Kyle Long and Brock Vereen. Tom, remember Brock Vereen? A safety for the of Bears. Course. And Adam of Shine, of course. Uh, that's just... Scratching the service, but the big picture, uh, the the first female CEO in the National Football League with the Raiders, Amy Trask. Thanks for joining us. I know there's a lot to you, so we're going to try and hit all these uh, different things, but are you enjoying the post-CEO life? Well, you are very, very, very kind to have me on mm -hmm. and extraordinarily gracious in the introduction. Thank you in both <laughs> regards. And I'm enjoying it a lot. You know what? I'm doing the things which scare me the most and that's kind of fun. <laughs> what scares you? Podcasts? A microphone? Um, well, television cameras, cameras yes. of any sort. As you can see, I'm doing this without video. Cameras have scared me since I was a kid. Hmm. If you go back and look at home movies, Google it, kids. We had movies back in the day. Like there was actual little movie cameras and your family would take movies. I'm not in any home movies. I'm not in any home pictures, um, family pictures. I just, I don't like cameras. And so... Being on television is facing my biggest fear, and it's kind of fun. You know, Amy, it might be kind of weird because I was born in 1961, uh, if you're familiar with that year. And I didn't grow up with a family with a lot of cameras and a lot of movies, so I, I wasn't a big part of it myself. And I, I think that was a part of my upbringing at that age, and so... I, I don't think um, it's uncommon for people to shy away from that. Um, you know, my, my first question is about being a CEO. Did anybody ever discourage you from being a, a CEO in this business? Uh, no. Now, that said, I didn't begin my career. I didn't embark upon it 
with any particular goal of being a CEO in mind or, you know, I joined um, the Raider organization as an intern and I was thrilled to be part of the team. Any responsibility I could have had, any role I could have had, if my job was to stand on the sideline and pick up those scrunched up cups that players throw (laughs) on the ground, I would have been thrilled to do that. So yes, I was given an opportunity to grow within the organization and, and that speaks to volumes about, about Al Davis. Um, but I didn't join the organization with any specific goal or plan in mind. So I, I went to college with Hannah Storm. And the very first day I met her on campus, I said, well, what are you going to do after college? She goes, I'm going to be a, a sportscaster. And I go, wow, that's super ambitious, considering there wasn't a lot of um, females in the role at that time. After your, that you, t- you were a part of the Raiders organization, did you immediately set your sights on this as your profession or were you still looking at the outside possibilities or did you know that it was kind of hook, line and sinker into the world of professional sports? Oh, once I joined the organization, um, that was a dream come true. As I said, I joined as an intern uh, during grad school. I, I started grad school and I heard all these um, students who were about a year ahead of me sitting around one day talking about internships and externships. I'd never even heard the word externship before, but I picked up the phone and I called the Raider organization and asked if I could be an intern. And the gentleman with whom I spoke said, what's an intern? And <laughs> I told him and he said, come on down. And I started and there was no full-time avail- uh, job available for me when I graduated grad school. So I took another job for about a year got a phone call from the Raider organization saying, we have an opening, would you like to join us? And I ran so fast (laughs) to give notice where I was working that I was going to leave for the Raiders that seriously, had Al seen me, I ran so fast he might assign me to play corner. Um, (laughs) Well, he did like uh, speed, so if you were uh, yeah, Yeah, yep. And as Cliff Branch said to me for years and years and years and years, speed kills. (laughs) It Uh, certainly does. uh, So, you know, I joined the organization and as I said, I was so thrilled to be part of the team that my specific role was not of import to me. Contributing in any way I could was what I wanted to do. Amy Trask, our guest here on Bears, etc. With top there, Jeff Joniak. Uh, interesting insights as the Bears get ready to meet the Raiders Sunday, 12.02 at Soldier Field. Tom and I have the call on ESPN 1000 and the Bears Radio Network. All right, this is a very specific question, and it's short. What did Al Davis see in Amy Trask? You know, I'm, I'm not going to speak for him. I will say, however, that I think we shared a few things in common. Uh, we're both contrarians. I've I've always been a contrarian, and there's nothing contrary about being a contrarian. <laughs> it can be a good thing. Um, you know, the biggest misconception about Al is that he wouldn't tolerate anyone who disagreed with him, or he wouldn't tolerate disagreement. If that were the case, I would have been fired roughly two two and a half weeks into my job. He walked into a room where I was sitting with a co-worker, um, ripped into that guy. I mean, just ripped into him. The analogy I often use is it's the way I can imagine a velociraptor ripping into flesh. Um, and I listened for a little bit and I realized Al was wrong. So here I am, you know, two, two and a half weeks into my job. And I said, excuse me, you're wrong. And I had to say it loudly because he was shouting. And so I kind of shouted, you're wrong. And I will never forget the look on his face when his head turned and looked at me like, what did you just say? (laughs) And I went on to explain to him, look, if you were basing your conclusion on accurate data, accurate information, that would be a fair conclusion. But you are basing your conclusion on inaccurate data and your conclusion is wrong. He hollered. And and when I say hollered, I mean, we were having a spirited debate and we both were speaking loudly and he said something and I said something and we went back and forth, back and forth. And I didn't realize until I was told much, much, much later, apparently people in the building were like, what is going on? You know, this girl who's been here like two weeks, what they were rushed up and they were standing in the hallway outside the room where we were having this argument, this disagreement. One person even brought a box because she figured I'd have to pack my things. (laughs) But at the end of this argument, he looked at me and he just said, oh, okay, I got you. I got it. I got it. And we went on to have a great conversation. And I learned at that moment, roughly two, two and a half weeks into my career, you absolutely could disagree with Al. 
And I believed that when it was appropriate, I should disagree with him. I disagreed with him more than I agreed with him over the course of almost 30 years. And I think the fact that I did that only two or so weeks into my job, that stuck out to him as well, I think. That, okay, here's this girl. She's been here roughly two, two and a half weeks, and she's telling me I'm wrong. I think that got our relationship off on the right foot. Well, I've got two daughters, and they tell me I'm wrong every day, and they both want to be in sports, so they got a they got a good head start. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. How old are they? How old are they? Uh, they're uh, grad school level uh, women, so oh, one at UNC okay. and one at High Point University. So to- Tom's like their grandpa or their uncle. I don't know which, but uncle. it depends uncle. depends how uncle, what kind of uncle. crankiness he is. But well, I was about to say if they were preteens or teens, just buckle, buckle up, but they're obviously <laughs> past that. Yeah, I got through that. I got through that stage. Uh, CEO of the Raiders, 16 of 26 years in the organization. And, uh, you know, I often hear that uh, general managers or team presidents or, or whatnot during the course of my 27 years uh, associated with this franchise, uh, they, they don't want to have yes men. They, they use that term, yes men. Uh, but it often has existed that way, or coaches who leave their doors shut, they don't want to hear anything from anybody else. Uh, and clearly that was just the opposite in the Raiders organization under uh, Al Davis. Uh, how important is that at every level of an organization to have good conversation and flow and challenge each other? You just took the words out of my mouth because I was going to say every organization. This just isn't with respect to sports teams. In my view, every single organization, every business, every organization um, benefits from an environment in which people feel not only free to but welcome to and encouraged to disagree with one another. Look, number one, there can be very, very heated disagreements. But disagreement can be agreeable. In other words, it doesn't need to be personalized. It doesn't need to be nasty. It doesn't need to be offensive. But disagreement is healthy. Disagreement is good for a business. If you have any sort of business whatsoever, any organization whatsoever, and you don't encourage people to disagree, you're harming your business. Because the last thing you need is people simply saying yes, 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 yes. Because yes might not be the best answer. And by the way, It doesn't matter if you make a suggestion that's a bad suggestion, because even out of the worst suggestions can come good ideas. You know, Amy, we had a guy that worked for the Bears for over 40 years. He was the first strength coach in the history of the NFL. His name was Clyde Emmerich. And he always used to say knowledge earned is greater than knowledge learned. So my question to you is, did your education help or did the business educate you? Yes and yes. Um, I think the education was very important to me, both in terms of that which I learned and that which I was able to apply in business. But also, I think having a graduate degree gave me a little bit of extra gravitas in the following regard. Remember, I started my career with the Raiders um, well before a lot of people listening to this were even born. I started as an intern in, in like 83 and was there 83, 85 as an intern. And then, you know, give or take, maybe it even went into 80s. No, I guess it was 83, 85 was an intern. I joined full time in 87. You know, these conversations we're having now about women in sports, those weren't even conversations back then. So I think the graduate degree did one other thing for me, a little bit of extra gravitas that that may have helped. So. All right, I was drafted in 83 into the NFL, so we have a kind of a similar timeline. But when I follow the Raiders, which I have my whole life, you're talking about being in Oakland, being in L.A., being back in Oakland, having all this stadium kind of discussions through Al Davis of all these different towns. Did that affect or interfere with the job or the Raiders, or was it a process because there was so much uncertainty in the NFL in those days that it was good conversation that Al Davis continued to have that? I guess yes and yes and no and no. But before I answer that, which I will, I just want to tell you I was smiling ear to ear when you told me the year that you were drafted because once (laughs) during my career, at one point, um, I was in Al's office and we were talking about a number of things and Tim Brown's name came up. And Tim was drafted shortly after I began my career full-time, not when I was an intern, but when I joined as a full-time employee. And I said to Al, you know, Tim was drafted sort of shortly after I began as a full-time employee. So it's sort of like Tim and I were in the same draft class. And Al (laughs) looks at me and says, 
Hal looks at me and says, Tim was a first round pick. You were a street free agent. (laughs) 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 And he, of course, was absolutely right. Um, Look, you know, Al, um, I was not with the organization when Al moved it initially from Oakland down to Los Angeles. I was in college at the time in the Bay Area, not far from Oakland. I was up the freeway at Cal Berkeley. I was with the organization when he chose to move it back to Oakland. And then I chose to leave the organization before um, the time that Mark chose to move it to Las Vegas. Because, and, and, this, and the reason I share that is it goes to your question Um, One of the reasons I did choose to leave the organization was I saw that writing on the wall. I knew that he was going to make the decision to move the team. And having seen the impact of moving a team on the fans, that's not something with which I wanted to be associated again. Um, You know, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. You go ahead. I'm done. No, I I would, I was sorry to interrupt, but I was thinking about Tim Brown because I also went to Notre Dame and I know you went to graduate school at USC. So (laughs) you went to Cal Berkeley and you went to USC. So where is your loyalty at this time of in your college football life? I am so glad you asked that and you posited it. I think I just add too many EDEDs to posit. Um, You pose that exactly as I would love you to because 100% of my college football loyalty lies with my California Golden Bears. (laughs) And by the way, in grad school, that was what I found to be the case with all my, you know, co-students, if you will, that if you went to an undergrad program where they had football, if you went to an undergraduate school with a big football program, your allegiance rested with your undergrad. The people in grad school who gravitated towards rooting for um, that team were ones who went to college where they really didn't have big football programs. And by the way, I'm still annoyed at the whole USC, UCLA fleeing the Pac-12 because I believe that began its demise. Amy Trask, our guest here on Bears, et cetera, remaining moments. Uh, This is... uh quite the label to go into the rest of your professional life. Uh, named one of the top 100 greatest game changers in NFL history during the commemoration of the 100-year anniversary, which Tom and I were very much a part of here with the Bears franchise, uh, born in 1920, the original franchise of, of the National Football League. Uh, how impactful was that moment for you to be acknowledged in that regard? Um, when I found out, I cried. Mm. Um, I, I didn't know about it and I was, um, it was the day that it happened and I started getting all these phone calls and people started telling me about it. I had no idea whatsoever. And when I learned about it, I was, I'm actually getting goosebumps right now. And I promise, I promise to try not to cry on your podcast, but I was so overwhelmed by it. I really was that I started crying and I picked, and the reason I share that is I immediately picked up the phone and called my husband. He was at his office and I'm now sobbing. Cause when I cry, I cry <laughs> and I pick up the phone and I'm crying and I'm sobbing. And I finally blurt out the reason that I'm crying. And my husband says, wow, wow, that's just magnificent. But next time you call me, could you not be sobbing like this? Because I thought someone died. That's how much I was crying. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a great story. And uh, we both, uh, Tom and I, uh, we, we are blessed to be in this game for as long as we have Tom as a player and a longtime broadcaster and me, uh, you know, just uh, following the lead guard here. On no, the, on no, these- no, no. Well, well, first of all, don't undersell yourself. You are not simply following the lead guard, <laughs> right, but, right. but. But always, always, always follow the lead guard. And I don't need to tell you this, man. Most games are won or lost at the line of scrimmage. So follow that lead guard. That's a very smart idea. It is. It's the smartest thing I could come up with. Uh, But I was a pro for that 100. I was approached by uh, Westwood 1 because of Devin Hester's opening kickoff return of the 2006 Super Bowl in Miami. And he said, hey, just so you know, that's going to be one of the top 100 plays in Super Bowl history. And I, too started crying i couldn't believe you know that that calls in the hall of fame and uh, that's that's a, a little short oh, fat kid like me was never getting in the hall of fame <laughs> any other way so that, that was it but um before we let you go uh so karen murphy senior vice president of business strategy and cfo of the bears tanisha wade senior vice president of dei of the bears ashton washington player personnel coordinator 
uh, one of the uh, new wave of women getting involved in football operations. Uh, I could go down the list. The Bears are very committed to diversity, equity, and uh, inclusion. What would be your advice to some of these women in high positions in this Bears franchise moving forward? Well, the same advice that I, um, you know, I give the same advice to um, women in their career, starting out in their careers or who are well into their careers that I give to, to men, which is work hard, work as hard as you can. When you think you can't work any harder, find a way to work harder. And as I said, that applies to women, that applies to men. The other thing that I will say is um, the best advice I ever received in my whole life was from my mom, who told me when I was a very little girl, to thine own self be true. And as moms can do, she told me that over and over and over again. And as little girls can do, I rolled my eyes when she did. But it's the best advice I've ever received, to thine own self be true. And I would say to the women um, you just mentioned and to others, to thine own self be true. Comport yourself, do your job, handle yourself in the manner that feels best to you, that feels right to you. My only, or I should say my biggest regrets have been when I was not true to myself. Terrific advice. Appreciate it. Uh, Only Gene Upshaw could have come up with a better line than uh, the Hall of Famer and former head of the Players Association. She's not a girl, Tom. She's a Raider. And that are Raider, you make, are you are you guys trying to make me cry again? That listen, that Raider mystique, uh, you know, well, well, I'm sure we'll feel it in some form or fashion when the Vegas Raiders take the field on Sunday. I know Tom uh, is very close friends with Chris Berman, and so nobody says Raiders like uh, like like Mr. Berman. I just, you know, we both love the history of football and and the history of football because of Al Davis, because of of individuals like George Hallis, uh, even though we don't play each other very often, it, it, it's, it's, I'm looking forward to just seeing the silver and black on the field facing uh, our beloved bears here. So it's, it's important to the history of the NFL. Would you agree? I, I, you stated that perfectly. There's nothing I can add other than two very, very storied franchises that are very, very good for the national football league. And it is terrific when they meet. But, you know, if you guys lived closer to me, like if Chicago wasn't so far from Los Angeles and if I didn't almost freeze to death (laughs) when I was once in Chicago, I would say if we were closer, we could bet ice cream on the game. But we'll just we'll just have to enjoy. You know what? If the Raiders win, when the Raiders win, I should say for Raider fans, I'm going to have some ice cream and toast you from afar. And if you should win, you should do the same. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan, Amy. Appreciate all your time. Really enjoy it and continued success. And, you know, don't be shy of the camera. You know what? Well, thank you. The camera loves you, so love the camera back. I don't know about that. But I'm a big fan of your work, and um, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, Tom, a wonderful journey that she shared with us uh, has been so impactful. um, And that's uh, certainly breaking down some barriers as as a female executive in uh, what at that time was uh, definitely a a male-driven sport in all levels. So now we're seeing more and more women in all aspects of football, behind the scenes, marketing, executive level, training room, practice field, coaches, you name it. They are a part of football. And I think they're having an impact on the game, whether it's Sarah Thomas officiating the the game this weekend or uh, the – you know, the female executives that have been uh, become a part of the front office to the training staffs all over the NFL. So I, I think it's a remarkable journey. And I think um, it benefits the NFL to have that type of growth in, it, in, in its infrastructure. Right now, when you spend over $2,999 at Steinhoffels, you'll score a $100 Bears Pro Shop gift card. Visit any one of their four Chicagoland locations in Vernon Hills, Crystal Lake, Downers Grove, and Harwood Heights, or shop online at steinhoffels.com. All right, so we mentioned a lot about Tyson Bajan. What are your expectations as you look at the tape and know what kind of defense the Vegas Raiders are going to present on Sunday at Soldier Field, what would what would you like to see him do within the the context and the framework of the of the Bears' offense? Um, you know, I, I think he has to understand the timing in his head and the type of pressure that the Raiders can provide or put on you, but only work within the structure of the play. Don't don't try to make an unrealistic play, an unrealistic throw. Make sure that 
you kind of get out there at the beginning of the game, get your second wind, and I think the tempo of the game will slow down for you a little bit. And then it's going to be, you know, maybe even, you know, talking to Luke Getze about his most confident plays to start the game with, where he feels the best and, you know, who he, who he would like to throw the ball to because um, I think Tyson's been here long enough that he knows every one of these receivers He's had a lot of time with the starting guys throughout the course of this week and the backup guys that are going to play a role in this game now that you're getting into depth like Tyler Scott and Bayless Jones Jr. and even Deontay Foreman for that matter. So um, go out there and play football like you've been learning and preparing for your whole life and um, just cut it loose, man. And uh, understand the down and distance of field position of every play so you have a better understanding if you got to just get rid of the ball harmlessly out of bounds. Not to keep belaboring uh, his his performance or how he's looking at it, but uh, one one more, if I may. Uh, I was impressed when he said that he told the coaches last Sunday against Minnesota when he was going to be put in the game, hey, don't hold anything back. I know the game plan. I, I got it. So whatever play you want, to, I, I got it. I mean – that's impressive, and they knew that though because they're 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 watching these guys prepare, and he's prepared like a starter. It's the cliche, but it's the reality. As the backup quarterback, you're one one bad hit away from being in the game, and that turned out to be the case last week. Does that give you confidence that he's going to execute this this game plan at a high level? Heck yeah! Listen, man, Jeff, I've been I've been in this game before. Mike Tomzak was an undrafted free agent out of Ohio State when he came to the Chicago Bears in 1985. He made the team and he played, and he won his first 10 starts in the NFL. So this is not untapped territory for the quarterback position for the Chicago Bears, for my experiences that I went through, and now what the Bears are going to go through with Tyson Bajan. So that's why he, you know, he's eye-to-eye contact with the coaches on the sideline telling them, look, I know what I'm doing. I know. Let, let's go to work and and let's put this plan of attack in place. And, you know, I, I think whatever position you play, you know, only because I was an offensive lineman and I didn't have any notification but when I was going to go into the game. It was injury, you're in. And that's the same thing with Tyson. And I think that um, he performed admirably. But I think when you have a chance to have a full week of coaching under your belt, I think we're going to see even a better performance out of Tyson. Tom, we talked to Deontay Foreman this week for our Bears weekly interview uh, that you can hear on ESPN 1000, 6 o'clock on Thursday nights. And uh, I hope that they do have a pretty steady diet of run game against uh, the Raiders. Run at Crosby, kind of mute the pass rush if they so desire after watching how the blitzes have affected this team over the course of the season. Hopefully they, they will be tone down a bit on that in that regard run the ball and and that guy he's ready to get lathered up i got that impression from sitting next to him how about you yeah you you know you're gonna have to run the ball because that's that's the traits that's the mo of the chicago bears football team you're not going to become a 60 pass a a game team because you're starting tyson bajan no you're gonna have the kari blasting game in there care blocking for the ball carriers you're going to have a slew of guys that can carry the ball, starting with Deontay Foreman. But I would like to see more opportunities from the running back position from Bayless Jones Jr. And when you look at the Raiders, though, Jeff, this is a different pass attacking team than the Minnesota Vikings. So the timing and the protection is going to be a lot different than it was against Minnesota. And those are the things that the guys in front of them that have those responsibilities are going to have to understand how they need to perform to put Tyson in that uh, comfort zone. Hey, Tommy, what sense? What's the difference? All right. So when you looked at the Minnesota Vikings from the very first play of the game, the Chicago Bears had five blockers. They're all offensive linemen. Minnesota had six linemen at the line of scrimmage. Some of them are outside linebackers, but they're still on the line of scrimmage. So when you have guys, Jeff, that are coming from the line of scrimmage, everybody knows who their responsibility is. They don't do that in the Raiders. The Raiders are a multi-level blitzing team. 
So now if you have a guy in a three-point stance and his hand down, he's automatically the responsibility of an offensive lineman. If you have a blitzer that's coming from the second level, if you don't point him out and you tell the offensive line, so-and-so is Mike, he's our responsibility, and there's another blitzer that comes from the second level, that's the responsibility of the back. Sometimes they come from the third level. So it's a lot easier to identify responsibilities when everybody's lined up on the line of scrimmage. When blitzers come from the second level, you got to make sure the running back understands his assignment according to the protection and how everybody's um, – Everybody is identifying their responsibility. Patrick Graham is the defensive coordinator. Uh, I'm certain then, coming from the New England program with Josh McDaniels, is this going to be a special game plan then? Because that's what Belichick does, special game plan each week. Well, it's going to be special because they're going to feel that they can take advantage of a first-time starting quarterback. It's going to be a special game plan because they're going to look at what the changes are, if there are any on the offensive line, and then how they can take it, take advantage of the new matchups. Um, but they're going to do what they do well. They're going to do what is their main influence, and that's Mac Crosby and so on down the line. But they're not going to start all of a sudden lining up differently than they have since uh, Josh McDaniels has got there. It's just going to be they're going to come from different levels and they're going to see if the Bears are have the ability to identify, the, like I said, identify their responsibilities. He definitely tends to blitz more on third down and, of course, fourth down. So And zone defense is his, uh, his primary, but it's a 3-4 with the linebackers and a two-point stance. So that's, uh, that's Patrick Graham and the 3-3 three and three Raiders. Let's talk offense because – Again, we don't know who the quarterback is going to be, but they, they have Josh Jacobs. He was the NFL rushing leader last year, and he's an outstanding pass receiver. He's been targeted 30 times more than any other back in football this year, but his rushing yardage is way down. Uh, what have you seen on tape that leads you to believe that? Uh, what's going on there? Because he was outstanding a year ago. I, you know, the offensive line, they're not guys, that, you know, they're not the Hogs from the Washington Redskins or they're not the Bears offensive lines from 1985. They are an offensive line, and because of changes are so frequently made nowadays in the NFL, you don't get a group of guys that have played 40, 50, 60 games together. You have a lot of interchangeable bodies there. And so I, I don't think they, you know, really – developed a good relationship yet with Josh Jacobs. And so they're kind of said, okay, we led the league in rushing last year. We're going to do it again because Josh signed a new contract and that's just the way it's going to be. No, it isn't because you put every single defensive team on high alert and they know, look, if you stop the running game, you're going to put the game into the hands of Jimmy Garoppolo. And he's a, he's a good quarterback. But he's also the guy. If you put that, you put enough pressure on him, he may be a guy that gives you one a game. So don't let the running game beat you and make them rely on their pass blocking ability and uh, and rely on the quarterback. Yeah, they've been pretty uh, standard up front in terms of personnel. Four starters have played all six games. The the fifth starter at the right tackle position, Illuminaire. Uh, he has played two starts, and he's played all six games, so that's really the only change. I was unaware of this. I knew the Bears had a lot of different rotations last year because of injury and performance, uh, but heard in the news conference on Wednesday, 30 games, 23 changes on the offensive line, 23 different changes. That right. is not good. That, it's almost impossible to develop that chemistry that we talked about since OTAs began. And when you have that many changes over the course of a season, over the course of a short amount of time that Matt Eberflus has, has been here, it's almost impossible to develop a relationship with your running back and your fullback, your pass protection and your quarterback. And um, I said if there was ever a chance where this offensive line – could get 25 games together, I think you'd see an incredible, uh, an incredibly well-performing offensive line. But it's about, you know, who can stay in there and who can, when they get put in a position, who can hold it down and be in there 
multiple weeks. And that's why I say when you go back and you look at our offensive line when five guys started seven straight seasons, it's something that will never happen no, again. I agree. But let let's get let's get one whole season together, and I think you'll see a, a more um, highly performing offense. Yeah, it'll be a different look this week for the sixth time this season. So it's going to happen again. Uh, Darnell Wright in the injury report with a shoulder. Uh, he was limited on Wednesday, and as of this taping, have not uh, heard about Thursday's practice. All right, one last thing about the Raiders. Uh, let's let's talk Devontae Adams because I, I think uh, we brought it up on the TV show Bears Game Night Live, and you kind of had fun with me a little bit because Devontae Adams without Aaron Rodgers, you know, it's a different kind of animal, but he's still very good. He set a team record last season, 100 catches, over 1,500 yards. He's still dangerous, and it'll be a great right. matchup. For Jalen Johnson, I think that's something we're going to enjoy watching that battle, and uh, Jalen's certainly looking forward to it. Well, I, I'm only going to enjoy watching it if Jalen Johnson gets his <laughs> hands on a couple tip balls and maybe an interception. Right. I don't want to come in here and see a Green Bay Packer performance by Devontae Adams. So it is going to be about what type of pressure can the defensive line and the and the linebackers continue to put on whomever's playing quarterback to make the timing of their offense look dysfunctional. And then if they want, do want to go to Devontae Adams repeatedly and Jalen Johnson is following him around the field, then eventually Jalen's got to come up and make the big play. And um, so I guess we'll see what the combination of offensive linemen can do for the Raiders' pass protection, but how this uh, continuously improving defensive front of the Bears can continue to stop the run, make him get in second and third and long, and then really be able to be the spark of putting pressure on the quarterback. Because Brian Hoyer, if he is a starting quarterback, he's not very elusive. So you're going to be able to put pressure on a spot. And then if you do put in a young rookie quarterback, you don't know how he's going to react to pressure. Miller Lite, the official beer of the Chicago Bears. Tastes like Miller Time Chicago. And take a chance. Download the Bet Rivers app today. All right, a couple of things this week. Uh, Steve McMichael turned 66. Your head coach, Mike Ditka, turned 84. Happy birthday to both. Uh, Ming is uh, he's superhuman, Tom. Yeah, I mean, he's fighting an incredible battle. And, um, you know, a guy, you know, that is just as tough as nails as a player and as a person. He's shown the same resiliency in the battle he's fighting with ALS. And, uh, I, you know, we could say the same thing about a guy like Mike Ditka. You know, you've got a guy that has a reputation from the NFL when he's your head coach about being one of the toughest of the toughest. And, um, you know, he's still thought of in the same way. Roger Goodell gets a new contract extension to 2027. So that's uh, another four years. He's 64 years old. So that's kind of in the wheelhouse range now of when uh, some of the greats uh, that have uh, impacted this game and Pete Rozelle and Paul Tagliabue decided to move on. But uh, uh, that's that's big news from the NFL owners meetings. Uh, also, uh, the idea that uh, they are trying to get rid of or legislate out the, the hip drop tackles, the one that hurt Geno Smith on the sidelines a couple weeks back. Are you down with that? So, Jeff, tell me how many times that you've seen it this year. You've seen it one time, Jeff, mm-hmm. and they're talking about making a rule change because of it. It's the unfortunate incident of reactionary sport. It's not something that these guys are trying to grab a player from behind and drop their body weight on the back of legs. It's impossible to try to do. So, from the, you know, all these guys in suits talking about changing the the push play by Philadelphia or changing that one tackle that some head coach is complaining about on the sideline. My gosh, sometimes it's just the unfortunate part of a sport that you're getting paid millions and millions of dollars to play. Concussions down uh, the lowest in training camp in seven years. Uh, I think they believe that's a big reason for the guardian caps do you suspect that they will make everybody wear those in the in the near future in training camp yeah yeah i mean i i would assume they would um you know if it if it is um creating a safer head atmosphere for the practice and the 
the fundamental teaching of the sport. Yeah, I, I do think, you know, ho- hopefully they will. Um, but, you know, it's, I, I, you know, I, I'm glad, I'm glad it is, it is becoming a safer uh, practice atmosphere. All right. I want to go back to one thing we talked about in uh, the, the uh, Tuesday bears, et cetera, about the uh, passage of flag football in the in 2028 Olympics in LA. And I said, Rob Gronkowski wants to play and all these guys want to play. I hope no pro athletes will play in flag football. To really grow it, I'd like to get, I'd like to have people that are not NFL caliber or NFL, USFL, XFL, Canadian Football League caliber, uh, a group of people that love the game, are great athletes, but are not that but I would love them to be able to play be Olympians to represent uh, the United States in flag football. What's your thought on so, my idea? So you're somebody you're like against, me. <laughs> let me ask you something. You're against the dream team. Yes. So when for the this. dream team went yes. and won the Olympics, you did you're against that. No, oh, listen, I'm I'm in agreement with you, Jeff. I want to say that I'm just becoming antagonistic right now. Um, no, I think there's a lot of great athletes for some reason they don't have the physical gift to play NFL football. But I think there's a lot of great athletes that are physically gifted to go out there and play fat flag football at an Olympic type of a level. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm in agreement with you. Uh, I guess it would be like going to New Zealand or Australia and stuff saying, I hope I don't take their best Australian rules football or rugby players and all of a sudden turn them into flag football players. Yeah. So I, I think there's a lot of dynamic athletes in the world that I would like to see them a part of. Uh, the flag football rather than, you know, giving you – because, know, listen, I saw Chad Johnson and I saw some guys on TV last night talking about how they would they would like to play. All right, so I, I, I wouldn't mind you going out there, one more rep being an offensive lineman, get an Olympic gold medal, but, you no. know, I don't want ex-players playing. Not a, not a chance. I could, <laughs> like I say, I could get in my stance, but I couldn't get out of my stance. Good news, Chicago United Airlines is getting brand new planes with all the bells and whistles like Bluetooth connectivity, screens at every seat, and room for everyone's roller bag. United, proud to fly the Chicago Bears and you too. Tom, thanks again. Uh, Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. All right, that'd be number 27. Yeah, they're adding up. Can you believe we've done this many? Why? So I was always curious, why do you say that number before then? Because, you know, it... Well... it's kind of the thing to do in podcasts, and hey, we're oh, we're newbies, okay. so I, I think it's kind of cool that we've already done twenty six episodes. Yeah, me too, me too. But you know, I I hope that we're we get into the hundreds and then the five hundred. You know, I I don't want it to be a short lived exactly double digit. So you got to bring it every show, buddy, and we got to get creative. Oh, I'm, hey, I'm here. <laughs> I, I can be as angry as you want. Angry, you but talking about rules committees yes, and all yes. this other baloney. Yeah, but you're an idea uh, man, so you got great ideas. So we got to get, yeah. we got to get. Uh, you know, once the off season hits, we'll get some new stuff in here too. So, all right, Tom, that's going to be it for us. Thanks again, everybody. Our next Bears Etc. podcast drops Tuesday for our Week Seven recap. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please subscribe now on the Chicago Bears official app, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever. You get your podcast. Bear down, everybody.